Wow. What a, what a week. Have, has that, is that uh, sentiment feel right for you as well? Um, my emotions have been all over the map as I have uh, watched and, and listened to the news during this past week. Um, I have this impression that we're living through a, a historic series of events that one day my grandchild is going to come up to me and say, Grandpa, were you alive during the 220 uh, pandemic, and were, were you alive during the, the, the presidential election and transition? And, I, and I'll be able to tell uh, him or her the story of what happened during this time. It just is, in some ways, surreal to me. But in addition to that, I, uh, this last week, I parked my car down in the back lot here. Uh, I do that because I want to wa- take a few more steps to get to my office. It's what people, as they get older, uh, attempt to do. Uh, you know, park a little further out so that you can get a little more exercise. And I, um, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's kind of a, a river that runs down the back parking lot on s- certain days. And on this particular day, because it was so cold, that river had turned to ice. And so when I stepped on the ice, both of my feet went out from under me, and I ended up uh, looking up into the sky, laying on my back, and hoping that nobody saw what just happened. And I laid there for a second, and I thought, huh. Uh, did, did I hurt anything? Is there anything broken? And uh, after, after I was able to pull together my pride for a moment, um, and somebody actually did see this happen. They came running out of the, the doors to the fellowship hall to see if I was okay. And I, and I picked up my computer and my books and my papers, and uh, I, I thought that at the very least in the day or two after this that I would be sore or have some kind of lingering effect from the fall. But nothing. It's... it's uh, Amazing. And then on Wednesday, when all that other stuff was going on uh, down in Washington, D.C., I had a car accident. I was driving on I-35 in Olathe, and my car hydroplaned while I was traveling 65 miles an hour, and I fishtailed around like I was on a skating rink. I was on the water, and I tried to correct it the way that they teach you in driver's training, but it's been a really long time since I took driver's training. But I did okay, and I corrected it for one, one way, and I corrected it the other way, and then I, I got traction again, and I went off the road into the ditch, traveling 60 or so miles an hour, um, through the chain link fence, up the other side of the ditch, onto the frontage road. And and you can imagine, I'm sitting there at this point, kind of just shaking, going, what just happened? And then I looked up, in front of me was the uh, sign for the Honda dealership, and I drive, I was driving at the time a Honda. So I just uh, just put it in gear and drove into the parking lot, and, and, and the car was filled with mud and grass and all kinds of things. And I walked into the front of the Honda dealership, and there was really a, a nice lady there at the front desk, and I said, hey, um, do you, do you guys uh, service Hondas? And she goes, yes. Uh, um, do you have an appointment? I said, uh, well, not really. I just had an accident out on the freeway and just came through the ditch and through the fence. And, and... anyway. So those two events took place in my life this week in addition to all of the other things that are going on. And I am just thankful to be here. I'm, um, and as, you know, as I've kind of reflected on, on these, two, these two incidents uh, since they took place, I, it, it could have turned out a lot worse. 
Uh, I didn't crack it, my head on the ice. I didn't uh, hit other cars as I careened off the freeway traveling 65 miles an hour. Uh, my car was damaged, of course it was, but um, uh, considering what happened, the damage was minimal. And so here I am standing in front of you today, and if you had uh, had a week like mine and you need some encouragement, give me a call, we'll go out for coffee, and we can be an encouragement to each other. How's that? So today we're beginning a new year and a new series of sermons that I'm calling The New Normal, Following Jesus in a Time of Transition. New Normal. This is a phrase that it seems like everybody is using this phrase right now. And I, I thought about it, whether I wanted to, to jump on this bandwagon or not. But as you can see, I, I, I decided to... Um, because I can't think of a better way to describe our current reality. Can you? I can't. It encompasses every part of our lives. It encompasses our work. It encompasses our social lives. That If we had one before, we probably don't have one now. It encompasses our relationship with our families, with our friends, with our neighbors. And increasingly, we are discovering that entering in to a new normal uh, is also taking place when it comes to our spiritual lives. When I, I talk about new normal, I am acknowledging that there was indeed an old normal that existed before COVID. And because of COVID, we are required to pursue the practice of our faith and discipleship in, a, in an entirely new way. This past year has been a time of, 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 of psychological challenge for some of us, of, uh, and part of that is due to, to isolation and illness and exhaustion, and for some of us, even uh, grieving the death of a loved one or a close friend. While we, at the same time, are trying to keep our jobs and figure out how to, how to commute or, or telecommute, I guess is what they would call it, uh, homeschooling our kids and, and keeping our wits about us all at the same time. Does this sound familiar? You see, what, what started out about 10 or 11 months ago as a curious change in our routine that was, you know, kind of cool. We, we, got to, we got to log in and zoom in for our jobs and have Zoom meetings and, and uh, we got to meet with family members by Zoom and everything. That, that was really kind of interesting to begin with, but over the long term, this reality is, is beginning to force us, I think, to rethink every aspect of our life. Even, even in our faith. Now, we can respond to this, this new normal in a couple of ways. We can continue to adjust our lives just enough to stay safe and healthy while wishing that everything will go back to the old way that we did stuff. And, and some of us are still in that loop, and, and that's okay. But there's a second way we can respond to this new normal. We can recognize that this new, new normal that we find ourselves in right now may become the new way of doing things for the long haul. And I hate to break it for you, I think it's probably going to be the latter more than it's going to be the former. But that, what do I know? Now, if, if we understand this new normal as something that we may have to live with for the foreseeable future, I believe that this time of uncertainty presents us with an invitation 
to, to rethink and to reframe our spiritual lives and our practice of Christian discipleship. This is an opportunity, I believe, that God is giving us to rethink what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What if, what if rather than engaging in conspiracy theories and getting angry about all the uncertainty, the church stepped into a role of inspired leadership, helping people recognize the presence and the purposes of God in the midst of this new normal. What if? What if there is an opportunity for the church to be the church, to to love God, to, to love others, to become a place where people's faith can grow and flourish, where, where the mission of the church can, can go out into the community and around the world. Uh, this past week here at Hillcrest Covenant Church, we kicked off a couple of new electives in our online series of classes on Wednesday evenings. Well, one elective is designed to help parents with children understand some of the unique challenges of parenting children through the various phases of life. So if you have children in, in various places, uh, uh, this is a class that you might be interested in. Now, our other elective is a Bible study slash a conversation about how we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, can overcome our differences. I mean, who's talking about that right now? Our, overcome our differences in order to express the unity that is reflected in the Scriptures. So if you didn't get a chance to, to be part of either of those two electives this past week, it's not too late. Um, please send a note to us here at church at info at hillcrestcub.org or uh, you may even get a link sent to you um, through our weekly email this week, I don't know, but we'd love to have you if, if those sound like something that you'd be um, interested in. But here's, here's the truth. The truth is that we, uh, that the, is the longer that we live in this new reality, the more potential there is for positive change, Right? And among all the other challenges that we've had to face uh, face this past year, one of the choices that we have is to respond to our circumstances with fear and consumption. Like you remember, right, when this whole thing hit uh, 10 months ago, what did we all do? We went out and bought as much toilet paper as we could find. You know, consumption. There's a line and it becomes hoarding, but nevertheless, that's how how we responded to to the new reality. Or we can respond to our circumstances prayerfully, which ultimately leads to peace and contentment. So the choice before us is fear and consumption on on the one hand, or prayer and contentment on the other. And Paul, in, in his letter to the Philippians, he frames it like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your, your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, where we might be inclined to give greater focus on the fear and the consumption response as a way of coping with the issues that we are facing, Paul is in this passage, I believe, encouraging us to choose prayer, which leads to peace 
and ultimately contentment. And, and this isn't any, any old kind of prayer. This is a kind of prayer that petitions on behalf of others. Now, it's not to say that praying for ourselves is wrong or bad, but that's, that's kind of the default for most of us, right? Like when I was laying on the ice uh, down there earlier this week, my first thought was not um, praying for our missionaries in Africa. And maybe it should have been, but it was like, God, am I okay? Am I bleeding? You know, did I break anything? Um, but, but, but that's kind of the default. I think the prayer that, that Paul is talking about in this passage is a prayer that takes the focus off of us and places our focus on the needs of others. You see, under, under normal circumstances, we may find, uh, find prayer like this, praying for others, both normal and natural. We would say, yeah, this is right. This is, this, is, um, this is how we pray. But in this time of a new normal, this kind of prayer is much more difficult. The more challenging our lives is, the more challenging it is to, to uh, lift our eyes off of our own set of circumstances to, to see what God might be calling us to pray for around us. This kind of praying may uh, even uh, get pushed to the edge of our prayer life because we've got so many other issues that sort of are on the, on the table in front of us. But, but here's, the, here's the reality. The, the path to contentment, according to this passage that I've just read to you, goes through prayer. In fact, it always goes through prayer. Now notice what Paul is not suggesting is that we eliminate all of the anxiety in our lives. You see, the opposite of anxiety is not being free from anxiety. I wish that was the case, but that's not how life is. The opposite of anxiety is prayer. And strangely enough, when we find ourselves in this place of prayer, it will naturally lead us to this new place of thanksgiving. Now, I don't know why this works, and I don't know how this works, but it does. When I feel my anxiety rising, when I was laying on my back on that patch of ice in the back parking lot, my first inclination was to pray. And, and maybe that was good instincts on my part, but that should be our instinct every time we find ourselves in, in a place of, of challenge and of difficulty. And, and, and as for thanksgiving, thanksgiving, an attitude of thanksgiving isn't just mustering sort of an attitude of thanksgiving and hope that if we think about it and believe it enough that it will kind of become true for us. It's not mere wishful thinking. The kind of thanksgiving that Paul is talking about comes from the confidence that knowing that when we take our focus off of ourselves and pray with a kingdom focus for others, God will not abandon us in our own difficult circumstances. Even as we are praying for others, others are praying for us. That's, that's the beauty of how prayer functions. Uh, we, Roxy and I recently received a note from some dear friends of ours who were in a congregation that I served in the Seattle area about 10 years ago. And... Um, his note began in sort of in the typical way, asking Roxy and I, of course, uh, how we're doing and where we, where we are at the moment, because we have sort of this transient life uh, that we lead. 
And, and then he told us a little bit about his family and what's been going on in his life and what's going on at their church, the church that I served for a couple of years. And then he closed his note by saying this, Carol and I pray for you and your ministry every day during our morning devotions. I got to tell you that hearing that has a remarkable way of encouraging me in the midst of the challenge of pastoring during these times. Having someone tell me that they utter my name in prayer on a regular daily basis compels me to give thanks to God for this simple and meaningful act of devotion. Who knows? Maybe this couple prayed especially hard for me last week as I escaped more severe injury from my fall or my accident than anybody could imagine. Having someone pray for you reminds us that the God to whom we bring our petitions is fulfilling someone else's prayer for us, which in turn, get this, enables us to likewise pray for others. And what's the result of this kind of prayer? Paul says this, Paul, uh, prayer with thanksgiving leads to the peace of God. He says it like this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. That's the byproduct of this kind of praying. Prayer with thanksgiving leads to this sense of peace and contentment that only God can offer us. A peace that transcends our human understanding of our current circumstances. A peace that enables us to find contentment rather than anxiety and consumption. Now, I don't know about you, but I've known people whose lives are an absolute mess. And in the midst of their mess or in the midst of the storm that they are experiencing at this moment, they have this acute sense that everything is going to be okay in the end. Have you had those kinds of uh, encounters with people? You probably have. And when I observe this, it's, it's amazing to me. It's utterly amazing to me. This, I think, is what the peace of God looks like. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem possible. Yet, yet, this is what Paul describes is the byproduct of a life of this kind of praying. Paul finishes up describing how we find peace and contentment by saying this, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, in the process of finding peace and contentment, in the midst of our circumstances, becomes one of the ways that God protects our hearts and our minds from the distractions that life is presenting to us right now. It keeps our focus on God rather than focusing on things that ultimately aren't God and aren't helpful and aren't necessary. Have you ever noticed when you allow anxiety to dominate your thoughts, how quickly it becomes sort of pervasive in every, every other part of your life. And you begin taking it out on your spouse and your kids and your coworkers, and, and, it, and it seeps everywhere. 
What at first begins as sort of a small, anxious moment can spiral into this uncontrollable paralysis. And have you ever noticed how anxiety spreads from one person to another, whether, whether that other person is experiencing your issues or not? I, I don't know the, the physiological reasons for this, but I've experienced it to the degree that someone else's anxiety about their circumstances became equally anxious for me just being in the same room with them. The new normal gives us an opportunity to pray in response to, or maybe in in opposition to, being fearful. And as we pray, that prayer results in divine contentment. As each of us must figure out what the new normal is ultimately going to be, and, I, and it's going to be different for all of us, I know that, I am, I am happy to tell you that, that one of the ways of being a disciple of Jesus in a time of transition, which after all is the subtext of my sermon series, one of the ways that we are a disciple of Jesus in this time of uncertainty is by practicing a life of prayer that seeks God's kingdom on behalf of others. I know it seems crazy. I know it seems counterintuitive. But as a result of our praying like this for others, we will experience peace and contentment in our own spiritual lives. I want to conclude uh, today my thoughts about um, the new normal by encouraging you. I want to encourage you to uh, choose Instead of spiraling off into anxiety and fear, choose prayer that leads to the peace of God and contentment. Would you? Could you? As we go into this new year, um, I don't know that there's going to be anything different than what we're presently experiencing in the the midst of COVID. Uh, I suppose as the vaccine um, uh, proliferates, more into our communities. It'll be easier to feel like normal, but it's going to be a while. But will you pray? Will you, when you feel that sense of anxiety rising within you, will you stop and and ask God to give you divine peace and contentment? Rather than, than seeking comfort in consumption, rather than standing in line in order to be the person that can get the toilet paper or not why not pray rather than laying awake at night and wondering and worrying about whatever it is that you wonder and worry about why not pray rather than getting angry about your circumstances about the world about our country about the politics and there's plenty of things to get angry about I I get it Why not pray? God understands and recognizes the challenges that you are facing right now. And while you're praying on behalf of others, while you're uh, uh, thinking about your life in the context of God's larger kingdom, be confident that there is someone somewhere praying for you. 
the new normal will not uh, be like the old normal. But uh, if we respond like this, I think it can be better. So that's my hope. And with that, it would be fitting for me to ask you to join me in prayer. Holy God, we choose, we choose, we choose prayer and thanksgiving that leads to contentment over fear and anxiety and anger and all that other stuff. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.